Hi everyone, Isha here. Just wanted to give a quick warning for this episode and some future episodes that we're going to have. We do talk about sexual assault and rape, not in depth, but we make references to them in terms of what the enemies do in Sailor Moon Super S. If this is something that you feel you are too sensitive to, we recommend that you skip our episode and potentially even skip Sailor Moon Super S if you're doing a rewatch with us. We don't want you to be hurt or disturbed by anything that we produce, so we thought a warning would be a good heads up. Anyway, enjoy the episode if you choose to continue. Welcome to Oshiokyo, our Sailor Moon podcast. I'm Kim. And I'm Isha, and in this episode we'll be talking about the first eight episodes of Sailor Moon Super S. Yay! We finished the, we finished the manga, and now we're here. Yeah. And I might sound a little different today, because uh, it's spring, and I permanently sound like I have a cold during spring. <laughs> Yay, allergies! Hooray! Yeah, there was a period of time where, like... Like earlier this month, where the whole of my lungs and my skin were just itching. Oh. I don't know how to describe your lungs itching, but that's what it felt like. No, yeah, I understand. I've. Yeah. Yep. Them histamines. It's, it's. Oh my god, it's resolved now, and I'm like regularly taking Claritin, but it's not. I don't like that I moved away from California and now all of a sudden I have allergies. <laughs> Global warming. It's not great. I, you know, and it doesn't help that, like, all the trees in the U.S. are, like, male trees because nobody wants, like, fruit, fruit. like, trees that produce fruit to fall on the ground. Yeah. But male trees produce a lot more pollen. Yeah. Because that's why they're male. <laughs> yeah, it's gross. Any, anyway. <laughs> allergies and uh, plant sexism aside. <laughs> uh, uh, let's right. get into plants. Super S, which is what this... <laughs> Uh, which is what this episode is supposed to be about. Um, I was really shocked by the immediate dip in quality, just with, even with the opening. Yeah, I think, you know, we got towards the end of last season, and they really upped the quality coming towards the end of it, you know? So I think, mm -hmm. I think we got a little bit spoiled. <laughs> Cause... Yeah, probably, because, like, finales are always way better looking yeah the quality is way nicer so we had several episodes of really good art and then it it, it just kind of dipped back to like a medium level i'm mm -hmm. i'm actually wondering if they changed animation studios though because you know we're watching it all in a block but this is over you know years and mm -hmm. um anime styles change animation uh, art style shifted while sailor moon was airing you know yeah so but not i think that harshly yeah there is there is more of a roundedness mm -hmm. to everyone yeah that has kind of always been present in sailor moon but like is especially prevalent uh when the episode is of lower quality because they don't have the money for it yeah uh but like there there's way more it's just consistently there's a lot more around this and, and we've gotten to that anime era 
I think I, I don't know when this aired. Not quite not quite yet. Not quite yet. We haven't reached the we've abandoned Angular and have embraced the round. No, I'm because I'm talking the cheeks. The cheeks era. When everybody had massive cheeks. Oh. Um, I think we're still in that era. Uh early two thousands though had this Yeah, but Sailor Yeah, but Sailor Moon aired in the mid nineties. Yeah, I know. You're not letting me get a word in. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> when did these episodes air, though? Um, these episodes would have aired, uh, let me see, in 1995, 96? Okay. 1995. So, like, mid to late 90s. You start seeing, you start, and, and then it got to the U.S. in 2000. You, I I don't know where the delineate where the delineation is, but there was this pocket of time in anime where like these big cheeks were the thing, and these episodes are not as bad as some other shows. Like I think the peak of it was um, Saber Marionette. They just had these ridiculous cheeks, but you saw that in a bunch of other animes like um, Kenshin had Slayers, right? Huh? Slayers, Slayers, Slayers had some pretty prominent cheeks. You had Kenshin had the cheeks. <laughs> mm. um, yeah. Yeah, now you know what I'm talking about. There's this little yeah, yeah. pocket where, like, the cheeks are big, the mouth is really small, and you had, like, those really understated chins. So it was just, like, mm. there's just so much face on the bottom side of the face. Like, the face was very yeah. bottom-heavy for some reason. And I feel like Sailor Moon, it's still the like, it's still its own art style, but I feel like in this season, it's picking up some of that art style. Yeah. When did the first Fruits Basket air? It was when we were in high school. So like um, maybe 2003, 2004-ish? Let's see. Fruits Basket. Um, 1998 till what? 2006. Wait, is that the manga? That must be the manga. That is definitely yeah, that's not the, the anime. Yeah, that's the manga first anime probably came out around like the early 2000s and i think that was like the last anime i really watched that had the kind of pointedness to their characters like if you look at the the remake um they still have that more well-defined faces and bodies but like there was a pointiness about all of the characters that just doesn't exist in current anime today yeah the other one that i remember things being pointy was like oran high school host club oh yeah and like even the sharp you know everything was, was very sharp yeah um i kind of missed that yeah 2001 it's it goes through phases you we got into this very bubbly soft um moe era after that mm -hmm. and now i'm starting to see more realism but you always have anime that break the mold or styles that are like throwbacks to some of the older styles, you know? Um, yeah. I, sometimes, like, every time I see, like, uh, a gif of an, like, an 80s anime where people look like people, I'm like, damn, can we have that? Yeah. <laughs> There's just a huge wash of very generic-looking fantasy anime right now, especially with the, all the isekai. There's this, I'm tired of isekai. There's this very, this very bland standardization of anime right now. But, I mean, I'm sure that's every era. It's just we're older now and we notice it now. Well, also we have way more access now. Yeah, that's true, too. 
you know, whereas, like, if we were to talk to a Japanese person who grew up in the 90s, like you did, they would be like, uh, yeah, no, there was a ton of shitty anime that you guys just never saw. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> yes. Anyway. But so, um, yeah, the art style cha- shifts a little bit, quality dips a little bit from the, um, the end of last season, and, um, yeah, a little bit of an art style change. And it's not bad, like, we, we haven't entered... Sailor Moon R levels of bad. Yeah. Not yet, anyway. Um, so, episode 128 is the first episode of Sailor Moon Super S. We have a new opening. Um, at Well, the opening song is still the same. Um, but the... But all of the images are different, so we see, like, Pegasus, the moons, the inners. Um, they shoot up. It's great. Uh, we see the cats, this time with Diana, so we know we have beautiful, beautiful Diana. Uh, we see Zirconia and the Amazon Trio, uh, and then Tuxedo Mask gliding through the air, <laughs> and it ends with Chibi Moon and Pegasus looking at each other. So, this is this is a Chibi Moon-heavy season. Um, I think a lot of people hated Chibi Usa because of R, but if anything was going to make me hate Chibi Usa, it would be Super S. Because <laughs> oh my god, like there's so much. Yeah, she yells so much. I'm like, girl, chill. Yeah, take a Xanax, relax. Yeah, she's very high strung. <laughs> I they made some choices with her. Yeah, they made some choices with her and Usagi in this season so far. All right, so in this episode, we get an introduction to Pegasus. We see him. He makes a prayer. He mentions the Crystal Forest, which is not mentioned again in the rest of the episodes we're covering in this in this uh, podcast episode. He visits Chibiusa in her dreams and asks her to keep their meeting a secret. Uh, I wrote in parentheses in the notes, Kill Bill alarm sound. <laughs> I don't want to talk too much in depth about why this is bad because I want to save that for the characters episode but uh don't do that (laughs) yeah don't talk to a child and tell them to keep it secret it's yeah if you're even if you're not good even if you're a fantasy pegasus creature like nah yeah no don't do it don't do it uh, anyway, Chibiusa is woken up from her dream by Usagi, who's like, we're late to see the solar eclipse. Uh, we again get the whole, like, this is an event that only happens in like a hundred years, and it, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they're all on this hill, and there's a whole bunch of people, and like, the whole group is out there. Uh, and we see Motoki, which is lovely, because I haven't seen him in a hundred years. Uh, and then, and we also have Unazuki, his sister, who's the victim of the episode. Uh, Usagi proceeds to say a bunch of misinformation about eclipses. Ray is like, are you stupid? And Usagi's like, wait, that's not true? Unazuki <laughs> 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 uh, notices that Chibiusa is zoning out because of her dream from earlier and asks if she's zoning out because of a boy. Uh, and then Motoki's like, uh, you're projecting. You're the one who has a crush on a boy. <laughs> we have the eclipse we see the dead moon ship descend and a tent appears in juban uh unlike the manga nobody nobody in the team notices except for usagi and she doesn't notice the ship in the sky she only sees the tent after it's appeared mm-hmm. uh i i did put <laughs> i did put like hey ray where are your spiritual powers yeah anyway yeah it's kind of weird how little acknowledgement the circus gets but yeah 
but it's there. Yeah, there's, yeah, it's so funny because in the manga, like, everybody was talking about the circus. Everybody wanted to go to the circus, you know? Yeah, well. Even the, like, the Senshi wanted to go even though they it was really for reconnaissance, but, like, everybody wanted the circus. And, like, we've never seen an audience in the circus so far. Yeah, I mean, doesn't it stay floating? It just kind of... There's, like, a... It floats, but there's, like, a pillar. Oh, okay. Sort of, attaching it to the ground. All right. Um, yeah. Yeah, so we now... Uh-huh. Yeah, because it's like it's just a circus themed villain. They don't uh, they don't actually function as a circus like they do in the manga. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, we meet the circus with a bunch of floating faces in the dark, uh, which reminds me heavily of like the the Dark Kingdom because you had those same faces in the dark when Feral was talking, and then Jadeite would come out. Um, we meet Zirconia, and I've no and I notice because like she has lipstick in the anime. Mm-hmm. She just ha- she just has like withered lips in the manga, and I'm like, damn, they had to let us know she was a lady <laughs> <laughs> by putting lipstick on her. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she calls out the Amazon trio. We meet them. Info dumps about Pegasus, how he has the power. They seek to take over the world. I don't even know if they want to take over Earth specifically. They don't really seem to specify that. It's just like, he has the power we seek. It's like, okay. Uh, He, like, in the manga, he can't exist in real life because he's too weak, so he's hiding in beautiful dreams. Yeah, so the setup's Uh, entirely different as far as where Pegasus is and kind of, like, what their motivation is. Because, like, in the manga, he's already captured. He's captured in their possession, and that's why he's projecting himself. Uh, we go for the very first time to the Amazon Trio Bar. I do actually really like this setting. I love, like, the neon sign of, like, their symbol. Yeah, it's cute. It's very, I love it. Um, and then, misogynistically, they only look at pretty ladies for their victims. Yeah. (laughs) And, of course, Inuzuki is the first victim. So, the girls are all at Crown Cafe because we no longer go to the arcade. My heart is broken. Uh, the Senshi group grills Inazuki about her crush. She says she likes him, and I think he likes her back, but he also won't commit to her. Um, Chibiusa's like, be aggressive, like, go for it. Like, don't just wait for him to come around. If you want him, go for him. And this is, like, a very funny thing, because Yusaki's like, did you get into Mom's romance novels again? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, you're not supposed to read them. Um, anyway, scene ends, Inazuki's on the bus to go home, Tiger's eye is on the bus, he magically steals her wallet, when Inazuki gets off at the stop, he gets off with her and is like, hey, is this yours? Um, and she's like, yeah, and then he hits on her, like, really hard. He would be so much more successful if he wasn't such a creep. Yeah, like, some episodes, his initial setup is not a super bad idea. But then the execution is just wrong. God, he's so bad at his job. He's so bad at his job. He's very creepy. It's very, um, uh, it's just bad. <laughs> like the, It's bad. Um, it's, it's bad. Anyway, he attacks Inazuki. He straps her to a board and pulls out her dream mirror. Um, Isagi and Shibiusa hear her scream because Shibiusa's running around trying to see the forest uh, where she remembers meeting Pegasus in her dream. Um, they transform. 
Tiger's Eye summons like a ball jointed Lemuris, whose name I did not write down. Uh, yeah. So, and then Tuxedo Mask appears, and Tiger's Eye straight up insults his outfit. <laughs> and Tuxedo Mask takes that hella seriously, so they start to fight. And uh, so the Lemuris is taking on the moons, Tiger's Eye is taking on Tuxedo Mask. He traps Tuxedo Mask by wrapping his whip around his shadow, so now Tuxedo Mask can't move. And then Tiger's Eye does the thing that I hate the most about Super S, which is he puts his head in the dream mirror and cackles maniacally while the victim in question is restrained and screams. Yeah, it's very uncomfortable. It's very assault allegory, and it's like, why did that need to be in a kid's show? Why is this where we needed to go with this? That shouldn't be in any show. Yeah. Like, I remember watching this as a teenager and being being uncomfortable and not understanding why I was uncomfortable because I didn't really have um, a concept of sexual assault. Yeah. And like, and then as I got older, like remembering this, I was like, oh, I was uncomfortable because it's basically a rape allegory. (laughs) And it's still uncomfortable uh, on the rewatch. I mean, yes, it's a whole oh, man. fantasy thing. They don't do any of the fallout, you know, so it's not like mm-hmm. they linger on it. As it, It's a very lazy allegory because they don't go beyond that. Mm-hmm. You know, if anything, it's yeah. just kind of like a motif. And it's like, okay, <laughs> why did you need to go there? Right. So And like last season... Last season, you know, people were getting their hearts shut out of them, and that was less traumatic. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, but yeah, he, Pegasus appears. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I was gonna. I was just gonna warn that if um, if topics of sexual assault are triggering for you, I would actually recommend just skipping this season because it's. I mean, even aside from those scenes, like. Um, the characters are very predatory in a way that's very uncomfortable. The bad guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyways. I have to put a trigger warning for this episode and probably all future episodes until the Amazonist Quartet shows up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because they're bad, but I don't remember them doing anything like this. Yeah. Anyway, Pegasus appears. His power uh, gets chibi moon and moon to turn into super sailor moon and super sailor chibi moon um only usagi gets the kaleido moon scope but chibi moon like and sailor moon combine their powers to use the scope to kill the lemuris uh tiger's eye gets away because of course pegasus is not in unazuki's dream and that's kind of the end essentially like Unazuki doesn't remember anything, I guess. I don't think any of the victims remember their dream mirror being snatched. But, yeah. Anyway, that's the end. Then we move on to and next episode. Before we do that, yeah, before we move on, um, I was totally bummed because the ending theme is not Rishiku Ikimasho. There's two ending themes for Super S. The f- so for from 128 to 140, it's uh, Watashi Tachi ni and I'm pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm furious. We'll get to it. I was I was so upset. I was just like, dang, you made me sit through all this and I'm not even getting Rashiku Ikimasho? <laughs> You're like, hang on a second. 
All right, episode 129. Uh, we actually see, like, circus performers inside the Dead Mean Circus. It's... It's, again, like, exposition through, thing, through like, bad guys that don't matter. Uh, but I think it's cute. <laughs> at least for this time. Um, Zirconia yells at the trio for, uh, fucking up. Uh, Hawkseye and Fisheye... Uh, team up against Tiger's Eye in their bar to say, just like, degrade uh, him. you failed. Yeah, they just, like, insult him. They're like, this isn't our fault, this is your fault. Hawkside, like, straight up says, like, you're too horny. Not like that, but he's just like, you need to pull back and Fisheye is just like, you have bad taste in women. <laughs> <laughs> Which, Fisheye doesn't even have taste in women, so back off, Fisheye. <laughs> uh, anyway, the Senshi team do their jobs for once. And they inspect the area where Unaziki was attacked to look for clues. They're all wondering who this new enemy is and what they want. Shibisa thinks about Pegasus, but decides that her loyalty lies with him instead of um, her parents and her literal guardians in the future. And doesn't tell anybody about him. Um, then we hear horses, because apparently there's a stable and a track right here. Yep. In the city somewhere. Mm-hmm. Just, okay. <laughs> um, anyway, they go, they see, because, like, Usagi and Tuxedo Matt, like, Usagi and Mamoru did see Pegasus uh, when it appeared to power them up. Uh, so they run, they're like, oh, maybe it's this thing. It's not. It's just a lady riding on a horse, and, like, the horse um, rears up instead of jumping over an obstacle. And the lady falls off, and it's Reika, Motoki's girlfriend, who was nothing like Reika in the manga. Like, she is so timid and so wishy-washy. I felt insulted on behalf of Reika in the manga. I, you know, what's super funny is it just now clicked that these were the same characters. Like, I knew that these <laughs> were the same characters, but I, it's hard to explain <laughs> because they're so I different just, there's no similarity yeah i mean and what's weird about it is like the anime writers they love them their tsundere's you know they like those little mm -hmm. hot-headed girls they make everybody a hot-headed girl who doesn't even need to be but then like all the victims they make as like soft and timid and sweet you know as possible so it's like wait why is Reika getting that treatment? Why is... What? Anyways. It's whatever. Yeah. Anyway, like, they go to help her, and she's like, no, it's my fault. The horse senses my uncertainty, and that's why, like, he's not obeying me. Uh, and tells him that she's troubled because she just got this research opportunity that would take her away for some years. I don't... They said, like, ten years. They said yeah, she like ten years. for, like, ten years. I don't know that there's a research opportunity that's like, anyway, it will take 10 years away from your life. Um, five years makes way more sense. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, she told Motoki about it and he was like, yeah, you should totally go for it. And now he's refusing to see her. <laughs> and she's like, what? Uh, Usaki and Minaka are like, this is unexcusable. Like they're on the case. Uh, they confront Motoki in the cafe because the cafe also belongs to his family, and we can't see the arcade anymore. And Motoki's just kind of bummed about it and, like, refuses to answer any of their questions. Uh, the cats scold the girls. They each squeeze their respective cat. And then Ami's like, 
shut up. Like, we need to focus on the enemy, the one that attacked Inazuki yesterday. Yeah. Uh, and then Isagi gets upset because, as it turns out, Mamoru has left, and Isagi doesn't know where he is or why he left or how to contact him. And she can't seem to get a hold of him. Yeah, and she's crying, and all of the girls realize that Isagi has called them one after the other to cry about this. Yeah. So she's been constantly on the phone calling each of them uh, to figure that out. Um, At first I was annoyed, but then I was like, no, she's 15. That makes sense. Yeah. She's a child. <laughs> but yeah, so... I, I don't think we need to... I think we can just kind of lump the um, A, B, and C plots together. Yeah, they're all connected. Anyway, Chavis is hanging out with Rika and her horse. Ask if Pegasuses are real. Rika's like, ha, no. But it's so cute that that's that uh, you have such a beautiful dream to come up with that creature. And it's like, Rika, all she has to do is, like, open a children's book. Right. <laughs> uh, Usagi and Minaka are talking on the phone about Motoki and how to approach that. And then as soon as Usagi hangs up, the phone rings again and she answers it. And it's Mamoru, uh, who's like... Hey, and she's like, where have you been? And he's like, I told you I was leaving for, like, a college thing. I've been trying to call you for two days, and your phone is literally always busy. <laughs> Which younger generations might not understand, but previously there was one phone line called a landline in people's houses, and that was the only phone you had, and that was the only way you could be reached. And a lot of people didn't have answering machines, so people couldn't leave voicemails. And so if your phone line was busy, a person could not contact you. If you were talking on that phone with someone else, no one else could come through. And there would be no indication that someone else had tried. Yeah, we didn't even used to get the call waiting tone. Because now you might get like a beep mm -hmm. or some kind of tone if there's somebody on the other line. Uh, yeah. 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 Nope. You're on. I mean, heck, in the early days of the internet, you couldn't even use the internet and the phone at the same time. You know? <laughs> no if you tried to if you tried to use the phone while the internet was on the internet would die if you tried to log into the internet while someone was using the phone it screwed up the call and the internet would die yep it was great great times <laughs> those were the days those were the days back in it takes my three day. hours to download a 25 megabyte file indeed <laughs> so oh, yeah God. and then uh, oh. um Anyway, Reika's doing her horse thing. Tiger's Eye shows up, sexually harasses Reika. She tries to leave, turns into a bad guy. Monster, monster in the week ensues. Yeah, Chibi, Chibiusa was around, um, and then she transforms. And this is the only time we get a Sailor Chibi Moon henshin, because she turns into Super Sailor Chibi Moon after this, um, and for like the rest of the season. Uh, so... It's a really cute henshin, and I feel redeemed for um, the bullshit that they pulled in Sailor Moon S. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, is set on Chibi Moon. Uh, Tiger's Eye looks in Reika's mirror. Luna brought Sailor Moon and the rest of, and then the rest of the Senshi team show up. Uh, the Lemurs, I didn't write down their name or like what their shtick was, but anyway, it reflects uh, Ray's burning mandala back at them. Um, Everyone's pretty fucking useless. <laughs> and then Chibiusa calls out to Pegasus, 
we get the power up to Super Sailor Moon and Super Sailor Chibi Moon, and the Kaleido Moon Scope appears temporarily. And instead of, like, attacking Pegasus, Tiger's Eye is just like, okay, <laughs> and runs away. Like, you're so bad at your job? Yep. Anyway, Rake is saved, and we see everyone at the cafe, um, including Mamoru. Uh, and Motoki is the o- Motoki only gives a real answer when Mamoru asks. Um, he's like, well, like the reason I'm avoiding Reika is because I don't want her to be emotionally influenced by me because obviously I don't want her to leave. But I also know this is a really great opportunity for her and I don't want to stand in her way. And so I'm, I don't want to see her because I don't want to sway her to do what I want to do instead of do what she wants to do. And I was like, Motoki's such a good man. He is. Uh, anyway, Reika is there because uh, they all called her to like show up and hide so, uh, so Motoki could give a real answer. Uh, they make up. She leaves. Uh, my thought was, you don't have to be separated forever. Just get married. <laughs> well, how- It would solve a lot of problems. Well, how old are they? Maybe they're not ready to get married yet. They're in, co- they're in college. I'm not saying get married right now. Oh. But like- she has to have a break. They could get married and he could go live with her. That's true. Maybe it's like the whole oldest son has to inherit the business or whatever. Oh. So he feels like he can't leave. Probably. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't think we see Motoki again. Or if we do, it's literally just in passing. Um, <laughs> or, the, or the next time we need an actual guy to get attacked. <laughs> okay. Episode 130. Again, Pegasus Dream, please don't tell anybody. Uh, call on me when you're in danger. Uh, and in this episode, I was very happy because we get to see Ikuko Mama and Shingo. Yep. Misagi's family still exists. Yes, they're not. They didn't disappear into the ether. Um, Chibiusa and Shingo are eating a lemon meringue pie as a reward for getting 100% on their exams. Usagi's like, that's hella not fair. What about me? Ikuko Mama's like, uh, people who get 28% on their exams don't deserve pie, or don't deserve rewards. Uh, and Isagi's like, but you couldn't even save me one piece. And Ikuko Mama's like, no, you have a piece waiting for you. And that's when Chibiusa's like, that's when it's revealed that Chibiusa ate Isagi's portion. I I genuinely don't know how that doesn't make Chibiusa throw up. I I was actually very triggered by this episode because like Usagi goes to run to her friends to be like this is what happened and they're like you know are you gonna really be that upset over just like a piece of pie and she's like but it's not just the pie she and she starts naming off other things that Chibiusa has like eaten that was hers and um they're acting like it's not a big deal, and it's like, no, guys, it's like, it's not the fact that it's a pie, it's the fact that it's something that you really enjoy, that's something very, she, she's a person who really enjoys food, it's her comfort, you know? Yeah, yeah it's the distress, it's the constant disrespect. Yeah, yeah, and she even says to him, like, you guys are missing the point, and it's like, they really are, though, it's like, you guys are kind of being dicks again. I will say... That while the other three do that, Makoto takes her seriously. That's true. She's like, food grudges are for real. Yeah. Because Mako-chan understands what food means. Right. Right. She has... Mako-chan's like, no, 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 Usagi's right to be upset. Like, this is a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> but then Ami, um, Ami has to be the one who's like, oh, you know, you need to be patient with her. She's so far from home. You don't know what she's really going through. She's so far from her parents. 
And I'm like, okay, but she has a like, choice, though. She could go back. She's yeah. not trapped here like and she was in the past. Anyways. And and also, like, she's not completely separated from her parents. Like, Mamoru is always there. Like, Usagi, granted, is not like Neo Queen Serenity. But Mamoru hasn't really changed in a thousand years. So. No. <laughs> like, she has that comfort, and now she has the comfort of, like, her uncle and her grandma. Yeah. Even though they don't know that's who they are to her. But anyways, so, like, Usagi anyway. decides to try to sympathize with Chibiusa more, even though she doesn't deserve it. But Yeah. Like, I take, like, when Mako-chan said, feet creatures are very serious, I was like, damn right, because I've had those moments with my brother. Yeah. And my, oh my god, with my dad, because my dad will finish food that he doesn't even like because it's just sitting in the fridge and it's like I was saving that. Uh. And he's like, yeah, well it was there and I just wanted to get rid of it. And it's so like, not only is the food I wanted gone, and he does this to all of us, it's not just me. Not only is the food that we wanted gone, but it wasn't even enjoyed. That's sad. It's like at that point, just it's, toss it in the garbage. Why consume it? It was, it's, it's literally just, you couldn't say who is going to eat this. It's sitting there. Yeah. He just finishes. It's, well, he can't like, my parents can't throw away food unless it's literally rotten. Yeah. Uh, because of growing up in extreme poverty and post-independence India. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to say my parents have food insecurity issues is an understatement. Right. So like that I completely understand. But um don't eat my food. It's there for a reason. <laughs> oh. <laughs> anyway, this episode So we move on to the villains. Oh, did I lose you? Uh Hawksai is No no, I'm here. I thought you were gonna continue. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh yeah, Hawksai is the attacker this time. He likes mature women. Uh so guess who's the target for his older lady kick? It's their mama. Kick, kink. It's Ikuko Mama. That's why she's here. Not because we miss her and love her, but because she's a victim. She's the victim of this episode. Yep. Uh, and so we cut to Chibisa and Ikuko Mama because remember Usagi is out, and Ikuko Mama is sorting through old photos for the photo albums, which again I miss because we just have a bunch of photos. Anyway, I'm not going to go into it. <laughs> <laughs> Chibiusa realizes that the earlier photos don't have her, because obviously she wasn't there. Um, and Ikuko Mama, like, there's this really cute picture of Usagi starting kindergarten. Mm -hmm. It's so cute. Uh, Ikuko Mama tells Chibiusa that her favorite pics are ones with all five of them, with Chibiusa. Uh, and Chibiusa kind of feels bad for eating Usagi's portion of the pie, and says she's sorry and so Ikuko Mama's like let's go to the store get more ingredients make more pie to apologize to Usagi and as they come back from the store with all of the ingredients Hawksai magically splits the bag so all the lemons fall out um and then he pretends to assist which would be fine but then he gets real fucking weird yep he starts calling her mother and, like, he generates, like, a locket that has a picture inside that um, looks a lot like Ikuko. And they ask, um, they ask him, like, what was, uh, he says that his mother was missing or that she died. I don't remember. Not that she died, that she was missing and he's been searching for her for years. Right. Okay. And then, and they're like, what was her name? And he said it was um, Ikuko. 
but then gives some random like surname. You're like, well, you know, yeah, not it's it's crazy that the same first name, you know, uh huh. Like, wow, that's so weird. And then he collapses because he's weak or like I don't remember why he collapsed, but he collapses and he's like, the only thing that will make me feel better are pickled or like my mom's pickled radishes. And so like. You could go to Chibius and like, what the fuck is happening? And it's like, I'll only get better if you bring me pickled radishes. So Chibius is like, okay, I'm going to go back to the grocery store and get this. Uh, leaving Ikugo with him. Uh, Chibiusa runs into Sagi as soon as she approaches the store and tells her what's going on. They run to their mom. Uh, they watch Hawksai, like, get better to flirt grossly with Ikugo, who's like, dude, I'm married. Uh, and then he obviously turns into his normal evil self and we get um the first sailor moon henshin so with the moon cosmic power uh from last season so it's nice it's funny that we get a chibi moon henshin before we get a sailor moon henshin but anyway <laughs> that's where we're at uh so hawksai distracts them with a lemure which is a cannonball Did oh yeah write down her name because i did uh i didn't write it down but i could look it up She's shaped like a bullet, not a ball, though. Well, because she's, like, launches her... She's like a human cannonball. So she's, like, launching mm. herself out of the cannon. Okay. Which was... I don't know why I couldn't make that connection. Because <laughs> she's a circus performer. I I think it's... Li you have more knowledge about circus history than I do. Okay. So that's... <laughs> Yeah. Because I was just sitting there like, is this, a, like, what is this? And you've said it, she's a circus performer. I'm like, oh yeah, people did used to shoot themselves out. Yeah, that's what she is. But she actually has, like, a, like a hat that looks like, you know, the tip of a missile. So she actually, like, explodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get a pink sugar heart attack on, um, on Hawkseye, or on the Lemires, and... Both, like, Chibi Moon and Sailor Moon call Ikuko Mama in this moment, which is way to give way to give yourself away. Um, but Tiger's Eye does not... Tiger's Eye. Hawk's Eye does not clock this. Uh, uh, Usagi does a... Sorry. Sailor Moon does a Moon Spiral Heart Attack. Hawk's Eye blocks it. Um, the Lemires has really got the two girls dancing because, like, they cannot get close enough. Hawk's Eye does uh, the mirror thing, but he doesn't cackle while ikuko screams you know which it's not great but it's better it's far less creepy and triggering it's yeah it, it like hawksai is just looking for the pegasus he's not being hecka weird about it right he's just doing his job yeah uh obviously ikuko mama doesn't have pegasus uh chibi moon calls out for pegasus again this time he gives her the bell which is the crystal carillon um, I think that's French. I'm not going to look it up. And the Kaleido Moon Scope is given to Sailor Moon. And now we get officially Moon Crisis makeup, uh, which is what they'll use for the rest of it. And it's a double henshin. So every time they say it, it Chibi Moon and Sailor Moon uh, turn into Super Sailor Moon and Super Sailor Chibi Moon together. Uh, Twinkle Yell exists only to power up the Kaleido Moon Scope. We get officially Moon Gorgeous Meditation because the previous episodes, it was just like aiming the, the Kaleida Moon Scope and like pushing forward without any call out. And uh, the episode ends in the Sakina house with like all of them. So Usagi, the, the inner Senshi, 
uh, and Chibi Moon um, in the house, in the Sakina household with all of them fighting over multiple lemon pies <laughs> and just talking really loudly until Ikukamama silences all of them. Uh, and God bless her ability to do that. All this episode did was make me want pie. <laughs> yeah, so I actually, I definitely like when Hawk's Eye is the villain versus Tiger's Eye, because he's just as stupid, but le- somewhat less creepy. Yeah. Like, he's not, he feels more competent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't even know why they feel like they need to do a setup because ultimately they just go like, okay, one, two, three, and the person is like captured, you know? Yeah, literally just stalk them until you find them alone and then just do the board. Like, what is this weird setup? Yeah, the, anyway. the rest of the act just doesn't make that much sense. It's like, what what is the goal it's, here? It's It's so weird. Why would you call your target mom? Don't. Don't. <laughs> That's the don't. <laughs> All right. Um. So next episode is one thirty one. We open with Zirconia scolding the trio because we've had three straight episodes of them fucking up. Um. Hawkeye's like, hey, wait a minute. Like, we can totally do this. We just need to work together. Like, don't judge us just yet. We've only just started. Um. And then in the bar, Tiger's Eye decides to target Naru because like she's just like her picture is just there and then he calls her plain so now I gotta fight Tiger's Eye <laughs> anyway Hawk's Eye was like I defended us in front of Zirconia because I have a plan to catch Pegasus uh, but doesn't share it quite yet uh, Tiger's Eye is all dressed up he's watching Naru um, who is waiting for Umino and he starts flirting with her hella hard and Naru's like I don't know what's happening. It's like, uh, <laughs> I'm waiting for somebody. And then as soon as Umino shows up, she's like, cool, and abandons him. And Tiger's Eye is shattered because he got left behind for Umino. Yeah. Uh, which I have to say, Umino is a good man and you're a fucking creep. Right. Because you're, you're a grown ass man heavily hitting on a 15 year old girl. Yeah. It's like, yeah, no, she's going to run off with the little nerdy 15 year old, the age appropriate pairing mm-hmm. she's already had one inappropriate pairing with a bad guy and she's not gonna do it again no 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 <laughs> <laughs> naru has changed yeah and at least he had <laughs> <Anyway>. class <laughs> at least he died to protect her. yes he had some anyway. redemption before his death yeah anyways right he genuinely liked Naru, and Naru genuinely liked him, and it was completely inappropriate, but at least he wasn't a fucking creep. Right. Or, I mean, like, he was he was a creep, but, he, but in a nicer way. But not as bad. <laughs> the scale of one to ten. Tiger's Eye is a ten, and Nephrite is like a seven. <laughs> Anyways... <laughs> Um, anyway, back at the bar, like, Hawk's Eye is upset that he got dumped. Hawk's- He got rejected. Tiger's Eye is upset? Yeah, that he got rejected. Hawk's Eye is like, okay, let me reveal my plan. Pegasus shows up every time we, uh, like, find a person. And so all we have- so I've created this cage with, like, this dimensional portal in it that should catch him because it will hold his non-corporeal form. 
and so that that's what the plan is uh and Sishai and Hawkeye make fun of Tiger's Eye for failing. So I don't understand why none of them are like, hey, Pegasus shows up every time Sailor Moon is there. Uh-huh. It's not for the victim. Like, what happens? You have a victim. The Sailor Senshi arrive, and then Pegasus shows up because someone calls out to Pegasus. <laughs> and guess who's calling anyone? Because they gotta fill up a whole season, Isha. I know, I know. <laughs> they can do it better. Um. Anyway, Tiger's Eye finds Naru alone, does the whole flirting situation. She's like, I have a boyfriend. I don't know what's happening here, but it's gross. But you see, he saw that she picked up a a book about um, how to become a nurse or nursing. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. he's like, oh, she's the, the caring, the compassionate type. So, like, when he gets her alone, he's like, oh, fate has brought us together again. And she's like, who are you? You know, <laughs> but um, he does the whole pretending like he's gonna pass out and die a- again, and is um tell- he has only three months to live. Yeah, he tells her he only has three months to live, and that he it's tragic that he hasn't uh, experienced love in that time. And he asks if um he would she would be his girlfriend for those those next three months, and. She doesn't know what to say, but she doesn't turn him down either, you know? Well, she's she's like, uh, I can't, like, I can't do that. I have a boyfriend. And she kind of tries to argue against it, but he's so dramatic about it. And, like, really is, like, really forcefully being like, you're the only one who can do this. And because she's a good person and a very sweet girl, she agrees, but it's fully under duress. Like, she does not want to do this. Yeah. Um... She talks to the other girls at the Hikawa Shrine, who are all like, this is super messed up. Like, no one is in support of this. Like, Ray straight up says, pity is pity and love aren't the same thing. Um, but Naru is like, no, I'm going to do this. And she leaves. The Senshi go after her. The cats are like, this is wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Naru meets Umino. She breaks the news to him. He's clearly upset, but he's he's like, this is what I love about you, is that you're so compassionate. Like, you know, like, I can wait three months, go take care of that man. So, like, he has some happiness before he dies. He's like, no, this 15-year-old does away. not need to be taking care of this grown-ass man. I know, but they're children. Like, they don't know any I better. Know. Like, it's the 90s. They don't have the internet. Like... <laughs> It's, but it's so sad because, like, Naru clearly doesn't want to do this. And I feel like if Umino had said, like, you absolutely cannot be with this man, she'd be like, oh, great, thank God I have an out. Yeah. Because Umino is also a good person. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you should do it because you're a great person. And then he runs away and drowns his sorrows in milkshakes. Yeah. Uh, Chibiusa sees him drinking all these milkshakes and he drank 15. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I, I just want to point out that, that a lot of Asians, particularly East Asians, are lactose intolerant. Oh, God. Oh, dear. <laughs> so, anyways, Tiger meets with Tig- um, bleh. Naru meets with Tiger's Eye and, um, like, turns him down. And then he's creepy and tries to kiss her. And then, you know, an attack ensues. So... Yeah. Uh, but fortunately, Luna's uh, been following Naru and tells um, Sailor Moon 
is nearby. Because, I mean, we pretty much know who the target of the episode is. They're always hanging around, like, whatever random friend they haven't seen in a while is like, oh, this is probably who's going to get attacked this episode. We better tail them. I mean, it's not even that they think they're going to get attacked. It's just the setup is so contrived. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody uses their, like, communicator watches anymore. It's always just, like, like a cat running to be like, this is what's happening. And it's like, use your watch, for fuck's sake. I just feel sorry for Naru. Like, Naru gets attacked every single season. At least once. If it, if it makes you feel any better, I don't think Naru even appears in Stars. So, oh. this is the last Gee, time. I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> At some point, Naru, because, like... By then, Naru knows that Usagi is Sailor Moon, even though she doesn't say it, you know? I think in the manga, I don't remember how she, I don't remember in the anime, but I guess they They lampshade it in the anime, but she, uh, okay. she knows that Usagi is Sailor Moon. Um, yeah, but they lampshade it and just pretend like that didn't happen. That's like, I, I think by that point, like, Naru's just like, anyways... Bye. I'm gonna go through a different <laughs> high school. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, Naru is pinned. Uh, Chibi Moon and Sailor Moon come to protect her, and they like go- come to her side. And that's when Chibi Moon does the twinkle yell, and that's when the trap is sprung. So the cage forms up around them, and Pegasus comes through to them, but passes through the cage and through the dimensional portal. And it does absolutely nothing. And Tiger's Eye breaks the cage in his fury. Uh, we get the Lemures. Uh, uh, her name is Otedamako. I didn't write down like what Otedama means, but whatever. Uh, she is trying to pin down the girls. Tuxedo Mask appears, throws a flower crown on her, and she's so charmed by it. <laughs> <laughs> Tuxedo Mask does his little poem thing. Tiger's Eye is like, that's bullshit. Tuxedo Mask is like, I don't have time for you. You're not important to me. <laughs> Tuxedo Mask is uh, the Sailor- only queen here, okay? <laughs> Tuxedo Mask like, looks at a male enemy and is like, actually, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the male enemy is like, who even are you? Tuxedo Mask is, I'm everything you never could be. <laughs> Uh, the enemy is defeated, Naru is freed, etc. Uh, and then the last scene is really cute, because it's Naru who's going to Umino's house, because he's sick from drinking all those milkshakes. Uh, but she doesn't know he's sick because he drank all those milkshakes. So she brings him a milkshake because she knows he loves it to make him feel better. Oops. I love Umino. That's great. <laughs> They're a great couple. I love it. They're so good. I love Umino. I wish... I will say, like, the biggest issue that I have with the live action is there is no Umino, Aww. which is fair. They do they do a lot of stuff. Like, we don't need him. He is a superfluous character. Yeah. But, um, damn, you know, I miss but it. But their little side love story is very cute. It is. It's a wholesome teenage romance. It is. It's, it's one of the few, if not only, age-appropriate romances in the show. I think it's the only age-appropriate romance on the show. Yeah. Well, no, then you have adults who get together with other adults, and that's fine. But, like, the kids are always... They're not a... F- there's, there's... 
that yeah. children are always getting together with adults. It's like, why? Yeah, but, like, I I don't count the adults getting together because that's just, like, an episodic thing and we generally don't see that continue on. Whereas if the girls fall in love with an adult, like, that continues. Yeah. You know, that's a thing that just continues to get brought up. Like, fucking Alan and Minako. Yeah. She was 14. Yeah, it's awkward. <laughs> anyway. Episode 132 is Isagi and Mamoru's love. Uh, in the preview <laughs> of the episode, Chibiusa is screaming at Isagi that she better be careful, or a prettier and more mature woman will steal Mamoru away. I really fucking hate this. This is like a constant thing that they're going to use in this season. Um, I don't remember if it's constantly used, but it's used enough that I'm like, I don't. Please don't. Uh, anyway, the actual episode has two college students going to Mamoru's house, and they're his kohais, or underclassmen, which means Mamoru has to be a sophomore in college at least. <sighs> so at minimum, what? Mamoru is... 20? There's there's an age gap in the manga, but not nearly as big as in the anime. Yeah, it's an age gap of three years. She's 14 and he's 17 when they first meet. Yeah. So, like, it's not that bad, because they're both still in school. You know, at least they leave his age <sighs> ambiguous in the anime. It would be really creepy mm-hmm. if they just flat out kept saying, like, Oh, that's Usagi going out with her 20-year-old boyfriend. You know, it's like, we <laughs> we can at least speculate the way things yeah. are. Mm-hmm. And admittedly, a five-year difference is not that big of a deal. But maybe if you're 25 and 30. I mean, even if, even if she was 18, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's not appropriate. It's, they're not on the same level socially, financially, emotionally. Yeah, but at least she would be an adult. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Well, I don't know. Like, adulthood in Japan is is at the age of 20. Like, that's like a whole ceremony thing. Gotcha. Anyway, whatever. You graduate high school at 18, but you're still, like, 20 is the big one. Yeah. That's just culturally. Doesn't matter. So, these two kohais are named Kobayashi and Saori. They're visiting Mamoru, and they're hoping to be his girlfriend. Uh, Kobayashi is clearly crushing on Saori. Saori is clearly crushing on Mamoru. Mamoru has no idea. My boy is stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Either that or he's just not acknowledging it. No, he's fully clueless. He's fully clueless. Uh, Kobayashi's like trying to see pictures of Mamoru's like mythical girlfriend and there's like nothing in the household. He's like, what is happening? He's like, you Uh, don't have any portraits of your girlfriend up. And he's like, oh yeah, I guess I don't. Um, I don't know how Usagi allows for that because this is the 90s and you absolutely have to have a picture frame of you and your girlfriend. Like, (laughs) maybe in his bedroom. We don't know. We never see his bedroom. Anyway, Usagi and Chibiusa arrive. Um, and they basically enter the apartment screaming and fighting um, all over Mamoru, and they don't even notice that he has guests. Which, I mean, I'd ima- I I would assume they knew he had guests, which is why they were coming over, you know? Yeah, maybe they thought, like, they weren't there yet, but it's also just, like, you had to take your shoes off at the entrance. Yeah. You would have seen other people's shoes at the entrance. And it's also weird, because it's like, 
I, I'm just wondering what happened. Like, did he invite them over and not tell him he was having guests? Because, like, um, Usagi was saying how, like, she was regretting letting Chibiusa come. I'm just like, okay, if, like, if my boyfriend was inviting me to go meet two of his other adult friends, you know, and it was two of them and two of us, I wouldn't invite a child along. You know, I wouldn't... Especially not a child that I constantly fight with. Yeah. Yeah, so it, again, contrivance. It's just like, why is she there? Why are they fighting? Because they think it's funny. Um, so they finally settle down, and, um, they're like, you know, who are these two? And, and Usagi's like, it's like, this is his girlfriend. And then Chibius is like, I'm his girlfriend, you know? Yeah. And... I hate that we've gone back to that. It's so annoying. Um, and they have, like, the rest of their visit, which I don't remember anything about, because... Well, so they they do ask, I don't remember if it was, I think it was Kobayashi who asked Usagi, like, wait, how old are you? And Usagi's like, oh, I'm 15. And they're like, okay. And they fully do not take Usagi being his girlfriend seriously. They genuinely don't think that she's his real girlfriend. They think, like, oh, this is, like... These are, like, girls that live nearby that have attached themselves to Mamori when he's just too nice to send them away. Yeah, they don't They don't really say what their impression is, but, like, I think it's also the fact that Chibiusa is also saying that she's his girlfriend. So it's just like, okay, this, it seems like it's some kind of younger sibling dynamic, you know? It's like, yeah, and Chibiusa is, like, glaring at Saori the whole time, and she's like, who are you? What's your relationship to Mamori? Why are you here? And... Usagi is just enjoying cheesecake. Which, good for her. Right? I actually, so in this episode <laughs> in general, like, I know this doesn't always translate over into other episodes, but I like how Usagi is secure in her relationship. She's not flipping out about Sayori. Um, unlike Chibiusa, who finally has the realization after all of this time that if her if Usagi and Mamoru don't get together, she won't be born in the future. <laughs> There's like a very dramatic like imagination imagination of Chibiusa as it, it feels like very telenovela ish. Uh-huh. Like it's extremely extra as like Mamoru's like I don't want to be with you anymore. I'm going to go with Saori. She's a much better person. Tell Ch- tell Chibiusa goodbye for me. And Usagi's like I can't. If we don't get together, she won't exist. <laughs> And Chibius is like, no! Like, she's telling all of this to Usagi, who's, like, while they're in a store, and Usagi's just like, should I get the pink horse or this green hippo? They're both really cute, and I don't have enough money for both. Yeah. And that's what she spends most <laughs> the episode she... doing. Most of the rest of the episode doing, yeah. trying to decide between the two toys. And Yeah, Chibius is furious at her, and Usagi's like, look, I'm not afraid of some girl hanging out with Mamoru. I know his heart. Yeah, but Chibiusa goes on stalking him and sees... Uh-huh. Kobayashi joins her. Yeah. Uh, we, but before we, get, before we get to the stalking, we have the Amazon trio in their bar. Tiger's Eye decides to target Saori because she has an amazing dream to become the first female police commissioner in Japan. Uh, that will not happen. <laughs> She's a she's a woman in Japan. 
Okay. <laughs> um, it's a it's a lovely dream. It's a great goal. It's absolutely not realistic. Uh, but you know, good luck, girl. Hopefully, you don't get harassed out of the police force. Oh God. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just being very. I'm being because like. If you look at the news out of both Japan and Korea, because they both have, like, extremely falling birth rates to the point that they're like, we will not have, we don't have a replacement population. And Japan in particular has a very, very strict immigration policy, which is usually how other countries, uh, other developed nations who have a falling birth rate replenish their population. Right. Um, Japan doesn't really do that. Uh, but Japan is also really misogynistic. Uh, so so um, women don't want to have kids. No, um, and not, they don't want to have kids, they don't want to get married, they, a lot of them are eschewing relationships altogether, because they're like, there is no actual benefit for me in this situation. Yeah. Um, that's why, like, for me, like, with salary, and like, as a fellow Asian, <laughs> from a, from a fellow misogynistic Asian country, like, sometimes when I see these, the dreams of these women in Sailor Moon, I'm just like, fucking good luck, girl, <laughs> like, <laughs> Uh, well it's a fantasy world though which is not fair real world it's a fantasy world where someday everything will be ruled by a wonderful queen who will bring together a utopia under her yeah and we won't and we won't need a police force anymore yeah so yeah okay so mamoru uh, is meeting up with Saori to buy a tie because she asked him to help her go shopping but before he arrives tiger's eye does the whole creepy thing with Saori, uh, where we get one of the best lines in, um, at least in the Japanese language, uh, where he goes, what time is it? Oh, God. And she's like, huh? And he's like, what time is it? And she's like, it's like 530 uh, in English. And he goes, oh, no. And then like fully talks in Japanese for the rest of the time. What is that like in English? Um, he throws in a couple of, uh, like, French phrases to try to oh. indicate that he's not, um, that he's, that he's foreign. Yeah. It's just awkward. <laughs> it's very weird. This is not a good strategy. Sauri's like, I don't know what the fuck is happening. And then Memoria shows up and she's like, okay, cool, bye! Yeah, he's doing, like, some vague accent. Like, it's obvious that, like, again, he throws in, like, you know, um, mon dieu, you know, but, like, uh, but, like, he can't do a French accent, so, anyways, it's just kind of, like, it. it's awkward. That's it's all. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Chibisa and Kobayashi stalk uh, Saori and Mamoru as they go shopping. Uh, Kobayashi tells this tiny child that he just met a day ago uh, about Saori and his feelings, and Chibisa's like, don't give up, and then, like, leaves. And uh, after they buy a tie, they're both kind of sitting on a bench by a river, and Mamoru is kind of like, I wonder, like, who you got this tie for? And he's like, I can't even imagine what a guy would look a guy with a guy you would be interested in would look like and i'm like what does that <laughs> mean like, bro and sorry like glares at him and it's just like girl he has absolutely no idea you love him uh anyway tiger's eye shows up again saying what time is it uh again like i hate tiger's eye 
in the anime, but I fucking love that line. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, Tiger's Eye transforms, throws, like, a whole bunch of knives at Mamori to pin him to the ground. Uh, Saori is strapped to the board. She is the only person who's completely conscious the whole way through. She's tough. She trains. Yeah, she's completely conscious the whole way through. Um, he does his whole dreamer garbage on her. Super Sailor Moon and Super Sailor Chibi Moon appear because, again, Chibi Yusa was stalking her. Uh, <laughs> um, Usagi never picks the horse or the hippo. No. I personally would pick the hippo. I thought they were both ugly. Which would you? <laughs> Chibi Yusa says they're both ugly. I was like, I like, I thought they were cute. So Usagi and I have the same taste. <laughs> her rare reversal. <laughs> <laughs> anyway um they show up tiger like summons a lemures it is a big balloon colored like a watermelon uh she tries to suff- she goes to suffocate chibi moon uh is distracted by mamoru calling out to be like hey leave her alone sees how pretty mamoru is and is like oh i'd rather suffocate you yeah super sailor moon like gets in the way so like she's uh the filling in the mamoru balloon sandwich uh, and starts to suffocate. Uh, the Lemuris is so is like really impressed by her love, and she's like, "Once I kill you, I'll kill him too, so that you can be together." And Mamoru is like, "No," uh, but instead of calling out Sailor Moon, Mamoru calls out Usagi, and again, Saori is conscious. Uh, so she's like, "Oh, okay, Sailor Moon and Usagi are the same person." Uh, she she can't really move because she's just been assaulted. Which is kind of random because uh, he free. Of- he pretty much always calls her Sailor Moon. When the, when mm-hmm. she's Sailor Moon, you know? Yeah. I think maybe the suffocation was a little bit too I much. I guess. <laughs> like, the suffocation on top of him. Yeah. Um, he wrenches free of the knives, and he throws one of them at the balloon limeres, who, you know, pops and goes flying off. She comes back to try and reinflate herself to continue to do. Um, <laughs> she pulls out some duct her tape. Suffocation move. She pulls out some duct tape, <laughs> like duct tapes the gash in her side, and like starts to try to reinflate. Just, that that's pretty great. She's got like a little foot pump. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, uh, Super Sailor Moon does her Moon Gorgeous meditation, uh, and once the Lemuris is finished, like Sailor Moon is just gazing down on a on a supine on like Mamor is gazing down at Mamori who's on his back and they're just looking at each other and it's like a damsel in distress moment but Mamoru is the damsel and everyone is ignoring the actual victim lying prone on the yeah ground. really though <laughs> uh the episode ends with Saori giving Kobayashi the tie that she meant for Mamoru and he's like what is ha-? she's like I don't want us to go to waste um I guess there's no return policy Kobayashi's like, does this mean you're giving up on Mamoru? And she's like, yeah. And internally she's like, I can't compete against Sailor Moon. Yeah. Like, fair. She's a superhero. She saves the world. Uh, so this episode is 133. <laughs> we get Mamoru, but infor- we get more Mamoru now, but like, unfortunately that means we get a bunch of Chibiusa and Isaki like, yelling over him. Yeah. <sighs> the bakery. Anyway, the cats show up. Luna's like, you guys will never believe what I just saw. Uh, and tells uh, tells the three of them that she saw Artemis checking out a hot nun 
at the church they were passing by. And Artemis is like, that's not, like, no, you have it all wrong. And no one listens to Artemis. And Mori's like, oh, I think I know what nun you're talking about. And, like, all the She is really like, pretty. <laughs> he's like, what? She's pretty. Yeah. It's pretty funny. <laughs> um, it's so funny. Like, Mamori leaves with Artemis because I get Bruce got to... S- got to stick together and also because Memorial also complimented the nun <laughs> and Isagi points out to Luna like you know Artemis is in love with you you know you should maybe be nicer to him instead of like teasing him so so harshly and Luna's like oh well maybe I'll... she's like oh I didn't realize the depth of his feelings and so she decides to go after them keep in mind this is chronologically this should take place after uh the Kaguya, uh, what is it? Snow Princess Kaguya. Oh yeah, the the movie, the movie, the super, the S movie. Um, so Mamoru is holding Artemis in his arms, and then we hear a very formal little kitten who appears, and it's Diana, and she's like Otosama, <laughs> which is very very formal. <laughs> yeah. Uh. And she's just happy to see him. And like, Mamoru's like, oh my god, you had a child out of wedlock? And Artemis is like, I don't know this cat. Like, of course I don't have a child. (laughs) Again, no one listens to Artemis. And Diana's just like, I'm so glad I found you. Mom told me to like, be careful in the path and not to trust any weird people. And Artemis is like, I do not know you. So of course Luna is there to hear Diana call him father. Uh, And she full on scratches Artemis's face. Yeah, not cool. Uh, for having a, ch- yeah, like for having a child and then abandoning that child, not even knowing she exists. Yeah. Uh, I was not okay with this. Uh, meanwhile, in the circus tent, the trio are practicing a performance, fire breathing, ball balancing, whatever. Uh, Zirconia is like, hey, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you so shit at your jobs? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh which, like, hey, uh, Zirconia, if all of your employees suck, are you really being a good manager? Right. I'm sorry. What are you doing? Sitting mm-hmm. there looking creepy? What are you? Putting on your lipstick? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How many How many layers of lipstick do you have to put on for your lips not to look as chapped as fuck? <laughs> <laughs> you need a lip exfoliator, girl. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> Tiger's Eye decides to target the pretty nun because, of course... Um, Artemis gets home to Minako, uh, who is furious and, like, standing with her back to him. And he's like, why are you mad at me? And, like, starts listing off things that he either broke or ate. And Mina's like, oh, that's, that was all you? Like, that's not why I'm mad, but now, like, I get to be madder. Right. (laughs) Uh, but she holds up her phone, and Artemis is like, oh, no. It's like, yeah, bud, phones exist. And she tells him that Isagi called her and told her what was going on, that he has a child out of wedlock, and she's furious at him for having a child and not providing for her. And I like that everyone is mad with, with like, a, we, we're not mad that you had a child, we're mad that you're not supporting the child. Yeah, yeah, I think that's Which is funny. a better, which is a good message. Yeah. It's like, you had a child, you're not even contributing. Yeah, it's like you're not doing anything for your poor baby. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, I didn't raise you like this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like Artemis is an older than literally everybody in the series. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
everybody else is gathering at Hikawa to try to comfort Luna about, like, what Artemis has done. Luna's like, I'm not really bothered by this. I want to focus on, like, training Usagi to be a good queen in the future. And they're like, that's, we're not here for that. So they completely ignore that. Continue to talk about <laughs> Artemis's behavior. Right. And anyway, we go to the church. The nun is praying to God all by her lonesome. Tiger's Eye shows up, baits the nun into thinking, like, he wants to believe and convert. And, like, says he hears the words of God. The nun is stupid as fuck. Oh, she just set up <laughs> She just set up for a wedding. Yeah, she's praying for, like, the wedding of the couple. But he's like, yeah, I'm, I've been religiously inspired. I hear the words of God. And she's, like, you know, very grateful and, and all of that. And then he's like, anyway, that that's some bullshit. I'm going to attack you. Yeah, I know. I was just like, uh, why did you put on an act? You're literally just going to turn around and be creepy. Right. She runs away from him into the courtyard. And then, like, he gets to her and she holds up her cross. And I love this because she holds up her cross and recites a prayer to, like, cast away this evil person. And he pretends he's affected. And then he's like, nah, actually, I'm fine. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> Uh, does the one, two, three. Dream Mirror comes out. Artemis is like, fuck no. Tries to protect the nun. Um, obviously is a tiny cat against a big man. Sailor Venus appears at the top of the church. Uh, Tiger's Eye insults her appearance. Sailor Venus is like, excuse me? I am the goddess of beauty. <laughs> <laughs> then we get a lemuris called Kigurumiko. And this, I actually know what that means because Kigurumi is a stuffed animal. Uh, uh, the ko is just like for girls. Kigurumi is actually a costumed. Hmm? It's like a co- uh, costumed character, so like you're. That's right. Kigurumi is the costumed character. Nuigurumi is the stuffed yeah. animal. So like those, uh, we call them onesies in America. It's like got the hood and it's like a onesie suit, but it doesn't have like little footies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's based on characters. Those are called Kigurumis, but also any costume characters like at Disneyland, all the ones with masks. Mm. Those th- those would be considered um, Kigurumis also. So Kigurumiko puts on a boxing kangaroo outfit. Yeah. Uh, Tiger's Eye does his disgusting thing with the nun. Uh, and then he tries to kill her. This is the first time anyone has tried to kill the victim. Artemis stops him, like scratches him so he can't do it. And then Kigurumiko, who realizes she has a pouch that's empty, grabs Artemis and shoves him in the pocket. Uh, Sailor Venus does a love me chain. But because Artemis is in her pouch, both of them are affected. And so, like, Venus doesn't want to hurt Artemis, but Kigurumiko has no reasons to falter, so she starts punching at her. And because she's punching, Artemis is also punching. And so he's, like, shouting apologies <laughs> when he hits when he hits Chan. He's like, I'm sorry! Um, the other senshi appear, and I like that this time, instead of just, like, not doing anything, uh, they're hamstrung because they don't want to hurt Artemis. Uh, Luna tries to interfere to try to, like, free Artemis, but gets punched by Kigurumiko. Artemis is like, oh, you cannot fucking do that, and bites the pouch, which hurts Kigurumiko so much that she throws him out. Um, with this, Tuxedo Mask appears, holding Diana. Um, Chibisa, he just, like, pulls her, like, oh my God. he pulls her out of his hat. Doesn't he? Is it out of his hat or out of his... It's super cute. He, the I, way he just—he just—he's uh, holding the whole cat in on on his palm. He just like Phew. yeah, <laughs> it's really cute. Diana's 
Diana's still a little chicken. It's like, oh my god, Diana! And everyone's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Uh, but Tuxedo Mask is like, you know, kill the thing. So we get me gorgeous meditation. Um, and then we get Diana's full backstory. Uh, where she's like, uh, I am the daughter of Artemis and Luna. And, uh, like, from the future. And everyone's shocked and Luna's like, our relationship is not like that. <laughs> <laughs> Like, Luna's straight up like, I don't own this child. Chippy mm-hmm. <laughs> Moon is, of course, delighted to see her best friend, Diana, who should have appeared at least a season ago. Finally, we get my number one cat love, Diana. Uh, and then uh, they're like, but you were still looking at the nun. And Artemis is like, I wasn't looking at the nun. I was looking at the church. Because <laughs> it was being set up for a wedding. And he thought it would be a great wedding venue for him one day with Luna. Yeah. Which is adorable. And everyone's like, and everyone's just like, damn, we really, sorry. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, yes, in fact, you are all dicks, okay? He's like, if you had just listened to me for 10 seconds. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, poor Artemis. Which, like, he's justified. (laughs) Poor baby. He's a good boy. I love Artemis so much. I love that, like, he's like, I was daydreaming about marrying Luna. Right. Like, I was staring at the church because I was dreaming of marrying Luna. Just, like, somehow got misread that he was into the nun and he had a child out of wedlock. Yeah. He's like, the nun was just standing there. I wasn't looking at her. Right. I can't get mad at a nun living in her home. Right. It was um, a cute conclusion. But, oh, my God. Just I, agitating all through the episodes. Like, guys! I wish I wish Artemis episodes were nicer to him. Yeah. Because this is, this is the theme. It's just, like, all the Artemis episodes are just, like, everyone misunderstanding and mistreating him and him being like, why? <laughs> yeah. I don't know why, like, the, the writers for the anime really thinks um, bullying is funny. Mm-hmm. You know, you see that as a big part of the humor. Ironically. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, I guess, like, if you have good communication, you don't have a story. No, but it's not that it's, like, misunderstandings. That it's it's just, people are mean to Asagi, laugh. People are mean to Artemis, mm-hmm. laugh. You know, it's like, yeah, they, they, they use bullying as a form of humor. That's why mm-hmm. uh, Ray and Chibiusa are always mean, so mean to Usagi because it's supposed to be funny. Those are the jokes. I'm not even talking about like the I... conflicts that drive the story. I'm talking about the conflicts that drive I... the jokes. Sure. I wonder if I guess it doesn't clock for me that much, mm. and I don't know if that's an Asian thing because like. Every person from any different Asian culture that I've met, like, routinely is just like, oh, yeah, you know how your parents and your aunts and uncles call you an insulting nickname? Yeah. (laughs) Out of love. And, like, talk shit directly to your face and behind your back. Yeah. And so I'm wondering if that's just, like, an Asian thing? Where they will rarely praise you. Maybe. And they will always, you know, like... You know, it's just like, I got 99% on this test. And it's like, why didn't you get 100? Yeah. You know, like that kind of thing. 
um, like, look, I've accomplished this much. And it's like, yeah, but you're still not a doctor, though. Yeah. I don't know. And then you become a doctor and you try to give them medical advice when they ask for it. And they're like, yeah, I'm not going to listen to that. I'm going to do this instead. And it's like, why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why did I become a doctor then? Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. Maybe it is a little bit of a cultural difference. Um, it's not good. Yeah. Like, I want to be very clear. I'm not saying like, oh, well, it's the culture. That's not a good part of the culture. Yeah. Um, I've said this before about Indian culture, because obviously that's what I grew up in. And they, like, Indian culture normalizes abuse and calls it culture. Mm -hmm. That this is how we do it and you can't interfere. Right. The culture is wrong. Yeah, yeah. There can be toxic toxic parts of culture that that Mm -hmm. should be shed. It's like, yes, it's tradition, Mm -hmm. but it's a bad tradition. Yeah. This is why I'm really glad that I'm doing this podcast with you because you have a whole different mindset Mm -hmm. and you make me think (laughs) and (laughs) well, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad with our, our different backgrounds, we're able to bring different things to the table. It's fun. It's good Mm -hmm. to learn. Yeah. (laughs) Well, does that wrap up the episode? Yeah, uh, we originally wanted to get to 135, but this is running pretty long, and I don't want to edit a two-hour episode. Yeah. So, uh, thanks for listening. Yeah. You can find us on Twitter and Tumblr at Pod, or contact us through email at oshiokiyothepodcast.gmail.com. All that information can be found in our show notes. Uh, I know we're currently still on Twitter, but um, it's falling apart right now, so... We'll see what happens. (laughs) Uh, Thanks to Barbara Daly for the use of her artwork. Please rate and review us wherever you find us. Or, Tsukini Kawate! Oshiokyo!